Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Today, I'm ministering, rethinking the way we do family. Rethinking the way we do family. And so today, in this series of Jesus at the Center, we're looking at rethinking the way we do family. So, Psalm 78, verse 4. Let's read this. We will not hide these truths from our children. Showing, we will tell the next generation, or showing to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord, and His strength, and His works. And the Bible says, and we'll read it in another translation just for a moment. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. Look in verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. Verse 6. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So this next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting the glorious miracles and obeying his commands. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart right, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. You see that? Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts completely over to God. And that's something. Chip Ingram said this, remember that you are not called to produce successful up, upwardly or upwardly Mobile, highly educated, athletically talented machines. Talking about children. I'm going to let Chip Ingram say it again. How about that? Remember that you're not called to produce success, successful, upwardly mobile, highly educated, athletically talented machines. Giving your children great opportunities is good. It is not, however, the goal of parenting. Christ's likeness is, above all, seek to raise children who look and act a lot like Jesus. Even through the narrow gate, Jesus said, I want you to think about this. Look in Matthew chapter 7 again. Here, we're going to start here in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And I want to show you something that Jesus said. You know, doing this is not a normal activity in a lot of people's houses when they're parenting children. You know, oftentimes today our society, there's, and I'm going to talk about different things when it comes to parenting. We'll talk about different areas that you will also help learn when it comes to leadership and other things of that nature. This thing will touch a lot of areas if you'll just listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It'll help you learn how to communicate to your spouse. Some of you already might be doing a lot of these things. Some of you might already have raised your kids and they're gone out of the house. But you know what? You can be a grandparent like this. Huh? You can still be a parent to your kids. 
Because my mom's still my mom. She's 92 years old. I don't even live in the same country as my mom. But you know, she still has something to say to me. I contact her. I've, I've, I've tried to reach out to her uh, as much as possible and almost daily. And literally, uh, she, just, she always has something to say. My mom always has something to say, doesn't she, baby? My mom always has something to say. And that's okay. She's mom. Amen. My dad was the same way. And I am so blessed. Now, I wish I would have picked it up a lot sooner. And yes, we can all have hindsight and look back and go, we can see as parents the mistakes we made. You can probably see the mistakes as you become a parent that your parents made. Huh? But again, do we learn from wisdom? Are we going to go through the same bad experiences? See, the word of God is the wisdom of God to us. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Now I'm going to put a little bit of different emphasis and stuff on this. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter there through it. But small or narrow is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. A person who has committed themselves to God has committed themselves to the transformation that happens when we understand and practice what the Bible teaches us, what I believe out of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read those for you today. You can look that up. Romans 8, 1 through 12, but it talks about the law, the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus, which has made us free from the law of sin and death. So there is a law called the spirit of life that is in Christ that we live by, that we walk by. And if you actually read that down, most people understand Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that scripture? Almost without fail, they stop right there. Because there's, there's, a, there's a, actually something connected to that. We like to think, well, there's therefore now no condemnation. Who's in Christ? Yeah, but finish it. Who walk not? Are you hearing me? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit? So there's, how do we get out of that? We like to just throw that and put all that kind of in a, in a package there. We like to wrap it up a little bit to give us some kind of uh, subtle uh, justification sometimes and comfort for ourselves. But the reality is, is that we do fail, but how do we continually learn from that? Well, we're, there's a narrow path. There's a small gate we've got to learn to walk, to, uh, to walk into. And that, that is learning how to put our focus and commit our life to Christ. And learn how to walk this out. And this is so important today because a person who's committed themselves has committed themselves to God to the transformation that happens when we begin to understand Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 just tells us this. It tells us that we should, first of all, offer our body a living sacrifice unto God, which is a reasonable service. Now I'm shortening it up. You can read it for yourself. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. But then it also goes on to tell us that we need to be not conformed to this world, but transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. When we commit to Christ, we're committing to let God become the potter and we the clay. And letting him mold us and shape us and transform us 
into an image that pleases him. Think about that. See, that's what the message of the potter was with the clay. And that's who we are today. See, we always get the outward image of that in our mind. But he's actually talking about a transformed life. And sometimes we might not like because the things that we might be confronted with when it comes to the word of God. But let me just say this. If we will understand that God has our best intention because he is our father. And he is a good father. He's the best father ever that, was, that, that ever will be and that ever was because he is the creator of us, the creator of all things. Now, he didn't create the fall. Man disobeyed, created that themselves in that way through sin that was found in Satan. But let me just say this. The good news is as a, as a good father, he has sent Christ. He created and made a way out. We call that salvation or the Savior to deliver all humanity. If you want to know why there's a lot of problems in the earth, well, there is a sin and there is a devil. But do you want to know, can God or has God, if God's so good, why doesn't he do something about all the bad stuff? He has and he did. Will you accept it and receive it? He gives us a free will choice to do that. And that's the good news. Jesus is the Savior. There is no salvation in any other. This isn't about our ability to find and make and create peace for ourselves, like we're self-absorbed. No, this is a reality of setting one free from the very nature and power of sin. But this becomes a transformed life. It just begins there. It doesn't end there. It starts there with God. When Christian people come into this church, I know that oftentimes they, they come with particular cultures, with expectations, that oftentimes they have set boundaries. You know, I've, I've been in ministry for many, many years prior to coming here, preached in different countries around the world and churches and other things of that nature. So it's, my point being is people are people everywhere. And we, we often have these kind of mindsets. We can grow up in church and think, well, we know everything about church. Church is supposed to be. We, there's people in the world that, that they think they know what church is about. They never stepped into one. Maybe they did once when they was a kid. And they figured that, they didn't figure out they know what church is because they went to church. They went, you know, from the age of whatever, five to seven. Funny. Really, in reality, you try to put that on any other area of life, people laugh at you. Think about it. But the reality is, is this is a lifelong development process because there's a lot more that we don't know that we, we, we might discover that we thought we knew. Even as believers today and as Christians today. And something that we need to understand, I believe God wants us to begin to rethink some areas in our life because we need to have Jesus at the center of everything. And sometimes he's going to have you removed some of those boundaries that you have already previously set within your own mind? But we have to, but the way he does that is he gives us opportunity to be willing to change by hearing the word of God. And if we'll accept the word over our own, because it is God's word, then we'll begin to experience the change that you see in the word of God but we have to be willing to do it. 
We need to take the limits off and begin to expect real transformation that comes by how we grasp a hold of what God has done in Jesus and through the revelation of God's word, that continued, continued development and revelation that comes from hearing the word of God. Revelation is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work as we have believed in God's word and as we have heard it within us. You know, one of the things I have learned over time, now I'm kind of teaching today, if you notice. I probably got teach on me a little bit. But I do, I do find this out, is that what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll take the word of God that you hear, and you'll, you, you'll get something oftentimes. If you'll listen, you'll hear it, and you'll, you'll resonate with you in the spirit. You can just keep pulling and pulling and pulling and just kind of what I call like, in, you know, back in the south in, the, in America, we call it like a dry biscuit, you know, where you're just kind of sopping up the gravy, you know what I mean? Uh, you take a, anybody ever done something like that? You know what a biscuit, I'm not, talking about a, I'm not talking about a cookie either, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about a biscuit like, you, like an Anzac biscuit. I'm talking about like a, thank you, a roll, because I can't say the other word. You, you, you wouldn't even like me to say it again. Uh, but the thought is, is uh, just like you would take a piece of bread, huh? And you dip it in, and you just, it just soaks it up like a dry sponge. When you're just taking the Word of God into your spirit because it is the Word, because you're recognizing God's voice in the voice, And when you begin to receive that into your spirit, the Holy Spirit takes that word and, make it a re- and makes it a reality in you. And next thing you know, you're going to be or have opportunity to put that word into practice. Oftentimes, pretty soon after you've heard it. Have you ever noticed that? You'll hear something, and what happens? The Bible says... Jesus said it like this, when the word is sown, Satan will try to come immediately sometimes and try to rob that seed out of you. All of a sudden, you hear a word on love your neighbor as you love yourself. And man, you won't even get out of the church before you're already confronted with having to have a change of attitude. Huh? Somebody cut you off. Somebody do something. Somebody didn't say something. You won't like something or something to happen. All of a sudden, it wants to just take you right out of that place of love. Huh? Well, all of a sudden, I'm mad and I'm mad and all this. And now all of a sudden, you get out and... You get out there and, yeah, but God said be angry and sin not, but I'm going to just put that behind me right now and then just get angry. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes people do that. But you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be transformed. You're going to see that opportunity. What happens, though, if you were to fail, we repent, we ask for forgiveness, we turn, and then we turn around and implement the right thing. Why? Because it's kind of like writing. It'll begin to stick in you when you start to do it. If you refuse to do it, what you're doing is you're refusing the grace that comes from hearing that word. The anointing that's attached to it is now rejected. Are you hearing me? That's why a lot of people oftentimes, whenever they hear certain things, it challenges them because they've already got boundaries to protect them from it. Instead of being transformed, they don't receive it. They reject the knowledge. Did you know there's a lot of things today that we have overemphasized in the body of Christ? You know, we can overemphasize the love of God. You think, well, how could you do that? You can go to the extreme 
that it doesn't even matter if you're born again or saved. Salvation is already in everybody because God loves us so much. Are you hearing me right now? God's grace. We can overemphasize God's grace. We can overemphasize just about anything. We can overemphasize prosperity. We can overemphasize all kinds of things and start missing it if we're not careful. We can get, you know what happens when you overemphasize something? The people get fat and then they get apathetic. That's what happens. That's why we need to be very wise and careful because we don't want to do that, but we want to receive the word of God so that we might have the anointing and the grace that comes from hearing it that God intended to bring into our lives. I remember years ago, back in the healing ministries, uh, when I was growing up, I, I, I was blessed, and we was looking at pictures yesterday of seeing different men and women of God that I was uh, just fortunate. God just blessed uh, just to be able to be around and see many of you probably been around great men and women of God, you know, some of these generals and things you hear about and read about and stuff, you know, great miracles and signs and wonders and things, wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, praise God, great ministers and preaching or great worship and great different things going on. Uh, just thank God for that. And I remember thinking about this, the Holy Spirit, if you ever notice there's seasons, you ever seen seasons? Now, now listen, a season might come, but God didn't intend for the season just to end, so to speak, when he comes to imparting the word and the anointing, he meant it that we might get an understanding of it and walk in it. Now, he might change that season, and he might give us something else as the body of Christ. And all of a sudden, what, what do we do? We like to overemphasize it for a while until we're like, that's the only thing there is. Instead of understanding that with everything, he's just adding to the body of Christ. That doesn't mean healing is gone because uh, those, those big tent revivals and stuff like that are gone. Are you hearing me? Because crowds of hundreds of thousands are not showing up to be healed at the moment. Some places they still are at times. But let me just say this. My point being is that doesn't mean healing has gone or the supernatural in that area is gone. No, now we're called. We've heard it. We believe it. We understand it. Now let's walk it out. Let's do it. Are you hearing me? Same thing in every area. Because we can learn to walk by faith, not just by the experiences. Thank God for the experience, but, it, but we need to learn from it so we can walk it out. Amen? Or we can go right to the word and receive faith on it and then walk it out too. Which is that's what we're called to live by and walk by. Jesus said this direction when it comes to rethinking how you do family is coming from a place of transformation, a place from the word of God and an understanding. And he invites us to find that life. And instead of going with the crowd of the day, because oftentimes that's what we do. We, we follow the crowd of the day. And I'm talking about also culturally within the world. Or maybe uh, you're, you're, maybe you've got a lot of moms or dads or whatever that you're with and your kids sport or whatever, you know. All of a sudden, we start pattering ourselves after how the world's doing it. Maybe they'll say something on TV, you know, or put it on social media. And all of a sudden, we're thinking just like they are concerning these areas. Instead of going to the Word of God and seeing how God teaches us how to do these things. And I believe it's all right in there. It's right in there. You know, Proverbs chapter 19 Verse 18 says this, Proverbs 19, 18 
says this. Here, let's get some wisdom of this. This is what Proverbs called the book of wisdom. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. A man of great wrath or hot-tempered shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Now, those, those verses doesn't sound like they all go together, do they? But they do. Reality is, is with this, I want you to look at this just for a moment. Chasing your son while there is hope. What does this mean? It literally means that it's so important that we learn to discipline and we correct while there is a hope for change or while there is, while there is still an expectation. The other side of this is don't let your soul spare for his crime. Some translation says for his death. Point is, is, is that when you see something going on, one of the things we need to learn to do as a parent, oftentimes we override these areas. Sometimes you have to understand that experience is not the best teacher, and that's what he's talking about here, because you can see your child going the wrong way, but what do we do oftentimes as a parent? When we see something going on that's going on the wrong way, we oftentimes want to stand up and just kind of get in there and just, just let them have it. You know what I mean? Huh? Well, there's a way to do that that's probably a better way than just trying to evoke the change through force or through... Now, I'm not saying forsake uh, certain corrections that the Bible says. I believe in those things. I believe we need to do it uh, in the way that God teaches us, but that's not like, you know, the first way, first thing you pull out, you know. Uh, you don't just go there just because, uh, you know, a child's not, you know, picking up the clothes. Huh? I know we want to establish precedence. We want to establish as parents. We're, we're, we're trying to establish some good things in life, but sometimes we're correcting them because of us. You ever notice that? Uh, sometimes parents correct them because, you know, I don't want to follow behind you. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And so we're really, instead of training our children, as the Bible says, and see, that's one of the things we need to understand that the Bible tells us that we need to train our children in the way they should go so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. Understanding the importance of discipleship of your children. What you're doing as a parent is discipling your children. Are you hearing me today? You want your children to serve God, then train them to serve God. Whatever you train them to do or not to do is the way they will follow it. Are you hearing me today? If you train them, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that, that's okay. They will take that to another level too. But if you train them to serve God, it's not hard to serve God. The Bible told us and told, teaches us over and over again, Old and New Testament light, to train your children, set an example for them, disciple them, discipline and correct them in the right way because you do desire that they have a good future, but it's a Christ-like future. Because you know serving God, if they will serve God and learn to walk by faith and not by sight, you learn to teach them the ways of God, the next thing you know, they will find their way prosperous and they will have good success. We're trying to give them the success that we see the world standard has because we think we don't want to hold nothing out on them. Like we're keeping them from something. But in reality, what are we training them to do? How are we setting that example? We do it by how our conversations are at home. 
We do it. We tell them, well, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. You know what? I have to be honest with you. Ever since my kids was a little bit, little bitty, I would teach them that scripture. That's one of the first scriptures they learned. Honor your mother and father. That will go well with you. Come on. First commandment, the promise. I mean, I started them out when they were little. My son will vouch for that. He's, standing, he's sitting in the back running the overhead right now. Isn't that true, brother? Yep. He's hanging his head. Yes, sir. But you know what? It's not harsh. If it's harsh, then it's harsh because of how you see it. And that tells you where you are with how you see God. Think about that. How are we supposed to do this? Well, you know, one of the things that the Bible teaches, and I can go through this whole thing for quite some time. I might even need to pick it up another day. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. One of the ways I think is very good to train up a child is learning how to encourage them. I'm not telling you to reward them for bad behavior. That's not what I said. Encouragement. That means you actually want to hear what that child has to say. You need to understand the, them and why they've made their choices. Let them have a voice. My mom told me years ago, I remember when I was growing up, she used to say this. And she used to teach me when I was a little. She says, when you're a dad, she said, when you're a father, when you're a parent, when you're a dad, make sure that your children can be heard because children have a voice. You know what that meant? I need to learn to listen. Did you know that the same understanding when it comes to being be slow to mm-hmm, slow to anger? Come on, is that right? Huh? We need to be slow to anger. We also need to be slow to speak. We need to be what? Quick to hear. There's certain things we need to be slow to do, but oftentimes we're quick to get angry. We're quick to just speak out and just talk right over them and they just listen to me. Come on, are you hearing me? Now, this isn't condemnation on the parents. Are you with me? There's therefore not no condemnation who walk in the spirit. So if you're not, anyhow, praise the Lord. So just get there with me. This is training. Do you know what the church is for? My responsibility is to disciple and to train to equip you. Amen. I would be forsaking that if I didn't do my job in the spirit. Are you with me? The gift that God's given to me for you. Now, it's so important because our children, we're raising them to be that generation that will carry on the move of God in their day. And that they might not miss God either. That they might serve God. That they might know that serving God is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's not hard. Serving God's a blast. It's the only way. And it is the way and the truth. And it's the life. There is no other way to get life. Are you hearing me? You can try to get life on the outside, put it in. But if you're all, you can have all this world's goods and have everything in life and still be a miserable, tore up person on the inside. Because life works from the inside out. You know, there's people today, I know and you know, maybe you're all of that too. That when, when life is, is throwing you a bunch of rotten eggs, so to speak, huh? What's coming out of you? 
You know, I used to hear this saying years ago. You know, you squeeze an orange, do you get... Yeah, that's right. You get orange juice. You don't get lemon juice out of it, do you? But you squeeze a lemon, you wouldn't get orange juice out of it. You get lemon juice. The point being is, is what's in you will come out of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, that's your spirit with a mouth speak. So we need to understand that when we are encouraging, put courage into somebody. What does it mean to put courage into somebody? Think of it like this. To encourage means to fill someone up with courage. To encourage means to fill someone up with courage. To put courage into them. This is a very, very powerful practice that we need to employ. We need a crazy amount of courage to succeed in this world today. Because the world is really offering a lot of discouraging things. And, you know, as a parent... Oftentimes, it's, we try to get obedience and character put into the deal. And we try to put them in, you know, sport. That's going to give you the character. Uh, put them in education. That'll give you the character. Uh, we're going to, you know, uh, let them, you know, these kind of experiences give them the character. Now, there are some things that they can learn in those areas. I'm not negating that. But the number one thing you're going to learn and help them do is train them and do the things that the Bible, that God said to do, because then they're going to find that way right. They're going to live that life that God desires, and God's going to bless and, and increase and all those wonderful things. And there's a greater thing to have when it comes to serving God than serving the world. There's greater things in God than there are serving the world. But if we point them that direction and not train them in the way they should go by encouraging them, you know, one of the things I have learned to do as a parent, and it takes time. If you think this is going to happen overnight, your child is going to change. Let me ask you a question. Did you change overnight? Mm -mm. But you got to put the seed in them. And they also need to believe that you're on their side. If they don't think that they're being heard, they're not going to think that you really care about where they are, only that they are doing wrong. And they aren't doing well enough. And they can't be and please you and all of these kind of things. Is this okay for today? People need to hear this. So what does the Bible say? Encourage. Put courage. Encourage them. What does that mean? Put courage. You can do it. You know, you ask them, say, well, why did you make that choice? Hey, sometimes, you know, I hear something I've learned is sometimes I don't say a word. I just kind of look and go, mm-hmm. And then a little bit later, I might come up, maybe even the next day, talk to him about it then and just say, hey, you know, how'd you feel when you did that? Was that right, wrong? What do you think? Have you thought about it? Uh, yeah, I have. It wasn't right. Yeah. What do you think you ought to do? And just talk to them. Just talk to them. And go, you know what? I believe in you. You can do it. You know what the Bible says? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You know, it's this kind of communication you're going to find your child is going to better respond to oftentimes in just an overriding understanding where they just feel like, oh, 
Oh, you know? And sometimes that happens in marriage. It happens with your spouse. Wouldn't it be great if, you, if, you, if, if, if people who are married would communicate to each other instead of fronting them up for what they're not doing right and they're always doing it and just trying to say, hey, you know, we have to learn to break criticalness out of our life. Oftentimes we put ourselves on a critical pedestal to try to get what we want. That happens in church, it happens in business, it happens at work, it happens in marriage, it happens in parenting. We need to rethink how we do family. So we might even ask a question, though. How are they going to know how to correct their errors if, as a parent, I don't point them out? Uh-huh. Come on. You know, one of the things that we need to understand about God, God spent a lot of time in the Bible telling their people who they are. Did you know he had, he had two mountains he was standing on there? Here's the curse if you disobey, and, here's, and on another mountain, and here's the blessing if you will obey. Huh? He would always point to them. Did you know, think about this. Why did God tell Gideon? Gideon thought of himself as somebody who couldn't do anything. He said, no, you're a mighty warrior. Huh? Remember that? Remember when God chose David when he was a boy? He's like 14 years old. The Bible says he was a shepherd boy, and he was falling after the ewes, great with young. The Bible says that God anointed him, and he brought him to feed Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. He chose him when he was a boy. Why? Because his heart was upright before God. And God looked at the heart. As God told Samuel, he says, I don't look at the outward man, I look at the heart. And today, we need to learn to look at the children's heart. Oftentimes, we want to be parent, we want them to obey, but we don't want to take the time to know them. We have to learn to know. You know, the Bible teaches us it's so important. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any wholesome talk come, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only which is helpful for building up others according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Isn't that something? So the Bible tells us, and I believe we could take that right into our family. What if we took it right into our marriage? What if we took it even upon ourselves? You know, the Bible teaches us to confess and to speak. You know, if you see yourself wrongly as well, you won't be able to take that role as a parent properly. Let me just say this. I want to help you with something. I'm going to close with this thought. I've got a lot more notes on this. But I'm just going to, I'm giving you some wisdom and understanding today. But I'm going to talk to you personally right now. If you learn to make a choice... I'm going to be a leader. You know, a parent is a leader. He's setting or she is setting the example that you want those children to follow. Okay? Think about that. By example, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about we're going to disciple our family or children through courage. We're going to teach them to be strong in their Lord and be strong in faith, strong in prayer, strong in worship. Set that example. Love. Love covers a multitude of sin. But let me just say this. If you don't start with you, because parenting, leadership, male, female, we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God, in family, in life, in relationship with one another. It's a choice to become a leader. And what do I mean by that? As a parent, 
It's a choice. As a, as a spouse, if you're married in here, to, you have to take your role seriously. But you have to take it in such that what are you doing to better the relationship? And what does that mean? You first have to forgive yourself of the faults that you've had. You might feel inadequate and unable to do so. You might feel like a failure and every time you've tried, you failed over time again and again and again. Lay that, put that under the blood, cast your care upon God and make a decision. I'm going to learn, I'm going to apply certain truths that I'm hearing, that I'm getting to know, that I'm understanding to be better effective in what and the way, the role I'm called to do and to play out here. Are you with me? It's so important. But you have to make a choice first to forgive. Forgive yourself. You can begin to make positive change in your life by hearing the word, by doing the word. Come on, write, let it write on the table of your heart and then implement it little by little. When you fail, repent. Turn from that. Let Jesus be the center of your family. How do you do that? By doing the word. The level that you know. And continually grow in it. None of us have arrived. We're all working towards that. And I want to encourage every person to do so. Today. Make that choice. Forgive yourself. Forgive those who have hurt you that might be in your family today. You know, never, it's never too late. God, Jesus restored Peter after he denied him three times. Think about that. Peter denied Jesus three times, and he was the first one to stand up and preach the message after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You would have thought Peter would have stood up and said, I'm unqualified for this. I know I'm a failure. I've denied Jesus three times, and I know I'm standing here. I'm not supposed to be standing here because I'm such a failure. You don't talk like that. He didn't do that. He never brought it up, did he? You don't hear Peter standing up there going, y'all all know me. I denied Jesus three times. Everybody knows that. You remember me cursing and acting like a fool, you know, and running around that fire and all that kind of stuff and walking away? Huh? Y'all remember? No. He didn't do any of that. What did he do? He said, yo, hey, everybody. Woo! This same Jesus that you crucified, he's alive, and we are his witnesses. It's like he never did it. Huh? It's like he never denied. He never failed. Come on. Listen, you're going to have to get up, cast it off, take that old beggar coat off, that robe, whatever you got of condemnation, guilt, inferiorities, fears, cast it off. Make a decision today that you're going to arise and begin to apply just the simple truths. Be a person who's going to put courage Listen and understand. Cast off criticalness. Because sometimes people just want to hear something and turn around and just chew you up. Huh? Don't gossip and chew people up. We need to be people who can build lives, not tear them down. There's enough of that going on in the world today. Not in the house of God. Not in the families 
not in your marriages. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.